Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below the video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. I just can't get over what Jesus has done for us. I, I think back to where I was and I'm not yet where I want to be, but I'm away, way further than where I was. And there's, is there anybody that's in agreement with me this morning? Has Jesus just changed your life? And guys, we're here to praise him. We are here to give his thanksgiving. We are here to just lift up his name. So will you join me this morning and let's just push into his presence. Come on, here we go.
We choose you this morning. We choose you this morning, Jesus. We choose to seek after you in all your glory, all your majesty. We fix our eyes on you. Come on, church, close your eyes and seek after his face. We choose to leave the things of the earth behind us. And we choose to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. Our eyes are fixed on you. You
had it. You have given us full access. Through your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin, you saw us and you said, you know what? That's my kid and they're worth it. And they're worth dying on the cross for it and they are worth having a relationship and they are worth going to heaven. And God, we just thank you for that access to you. We thank you that you wanna do life with us. And God, you say in your word that when we use the name of Jesus, when we ask in the name of Jesus, that it will be given to us because it will bring more glory to the Father. And so God, we thank you for that promise. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for strongholds to be broken. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for unity in our country. And in the name of Jesus, I ask for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give it all to you, Jesus. And I pray that you would have your way in this place right now, in my heart, in my life, in my children's life, in their children's life. In Jesus' name, I give it all to you. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give him another shout of praise? Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you're here in the building, go ahead and make your way back to your seats. And if you're joining us online, I know you're getting your praise on, and you might need to take a quick second to go warm up your coffee, but we are so excited that you're here. And even if you're new, Welcome to the family. I just gotta say, this is the greatest place to be on a Sunday morning. So we're really glad that you're here. Um, whether in the building or online, whip out your phone, text fellowship to 94,000, and a pastor will be in contact with you. We can get you all the resources that you need, answer any questions that you might have about Fellowship Church, and just, we're gonna give you the hookup, okay? That's, that's all it is. So. We're coming to our time in our service that we're gonna worship God with our tithes and offering. And I don't know if you guys know this. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath because I was like, worshiping so hard. I love Jesus. Um, but I don't know if you guys know this, that we, this church family is incredible. We are so blessed. And the people here are so generous. You're so kind, you're so loving. And if you've been a part of any ministry for a little bit or a long time or just part of our church family, like these people sow into each other and they sow into God's kingdom big time. And I wanted to read this scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I just wanted to break down the first part of that verse this morning, um, that when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. When we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. I, I mean, this is a concept that we learned from the time that we're in grade school. How many of you remember like second week of kindergarten, you're learning about plants and how they grow and your teacher sends you home with the Dixie cup full of dirt? And like one seed, and you're so pumped up, you show your parents, like, yeah, I'm gonna water this thing, I'm gonna see it grow. And then who, show hands, who forgot within like two days? Be honest, yes, I'm with the right people, praise God. Anyway, even if you were diligent and your mom didn't throw it away because, you know, it's a cup of dirt on your windowsill, it looks lovely. Um, but this, but this seed, even, even if it did grow, it doesn't bear the same amount of fruit that a field full does. And the same is with generosity. Generosity is something that you sow into, and it's different than tithing. Tithing is a command that God gives us. It's an act of obedience for us, but gratuity and being generous with our time, with our finances, that is something else entirely. And when we when we sow into God's kingdom, we will reap bountifully. It's a, it's a promise that he has in his word. He can't stray away from it. So this morning, as you come prepared to give, I just want you to search in your own heart, not, not pressures of anybody else, but just talk to God. And what has he given you? What resources 
do you have, what do you feel like he is speaking to you and that you are willing to cheerfully give? Let's pray. Jesus, God, we just thank you. We thank you for the way that you've provided for us. We thank you for the way that you are generous to us. God, you gave the ultimate sacrifice and we could never, we could never do anything in comparison to that, but God, we, we just wanna give you all of us. And so we trust you with our finances. We trust you with the things that we have going on in our lives. And we just pray, God, that you would bless us financially in Jesus' name. And guys, as you come prepared to give, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can either do text to tithe, it's really easy, or if you get on your church center app, there's a little button down there at the bottom that says give. You can, you can do your tithe or your offering or both if you want to. Um, that's right there. And then if you're old school, that is so cool, you guys. Love on you for having a checkbook still. I need to find mine. Uh, but anyway, the drop-off boxes in the lobby are available for that as well. But check out this video of all the stuff we've got going on. Hey, church, here are a few quick and important announcements. February 14th is going to be our baby dedication service. That's going to happen at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So if you're interested in dedicating your child to the Lord, please register for that service on our Church Center app. Last week, we announced that Renewal and Rescue 1.0 is going to be happening on February 12th and 13th. We had to change the dates on that. The new dates for Renewal and Rescue 1.0, our marriage seminar, is March 5th and 6th. That's a Friday and Saturday. This is a great way to pour into your marriage and to revive. Maybe you just need a, a little bit of a pick-me-up in your marriage. This is a great, great present for your spouse. This is a great way, even if you're engaged or seriously dating, to, to figure out really what marriage is about. So please register for that event online. It's going to be March 5th and 6th. It's $99 per couple or $49 for a single. Please check out this event. Don't miss out. Starting Wednesday, February 3rd at 7 p.m., Pastor Tim is gonna be teaching our Spiritual Warfare 2.0 curriculum. This is a great follow-up to our Spiritual Warfare 1.0 curriculum. Maybe you've been through the 1.0, the 2.0, and the 3.0, and you just want another refresher course, or it's been a while since you've taken 1.0. This is a great way to just kinda recenter, refocus on spiritual warfare, knowing what God has empowered us to do in our spiritual lives. Please sign up for all three of these events on our Church Center app under the events tab. That's what's happening here at Fellowship Church. We're glad you're here. Enjoy the rest of today's service. Well, a few weeks ago during worship, Pastor Dan was talking about a particular scripture in the Old Testament that deals with repentance and getting your heart right. And really, this particular scripture is talking about a whole area getting their, their thought life right and their attitudes right. It was for the people of Israel, and it was for their land. And it's second, in Second Chronicles, if you guys will put that up, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. What a beautiful promise, right? But that promise has a part for us to play in it. And I think sometimes when we look at that scripture, we go, okay, I kind of get it, but, but how does that unfold? Like, what would that look like for me on a daily basis? Because we all want to be blessed. We all want to have that favor in our life. We all want to make sure that God's protection is over us. Now, the beautiful thing about scripture is it is filled with people who made good choices and bad choices. And we get to learn from those good choices and bad choices. And one of my favorite people in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, is David. I teach on David all the time. Why? Because David is like all of us. He makes good choices and he makes bad choices. And this is a guy who was anointed as king at a very young age, but didn't actually take the throne till many years later. This is the same David who slew Goliath. You remember uh, reading about his stories in Sunday school. You've heard those stories over and over again. And, and, and then it goes on and he has this strange relationship with the king that is at hand named Saul. And then from that, he does become king. And then as he becomes king, he builds this incredible kingdom. God builds this incredible kingdom through him. But as a king, he has temptations and he makes poor choices. In particular, his choice with Bathsheba, 
Most of us remember that story. He's out on the balcony at a time when he shouldn't have been there. And he looks over to another balcony and he sees a woman who's very attractive, who is naked and she is bathing. And he, not being a, a, a righteous person in that moment, decides that he's going to have her sent to him. Now she's married. Uh, he's married over and over again. So he's supposed to be faithful. <laughs> if, any, if there's anybody that, that should have been faithful, it's been, it should have been him, but he, he wasn't. He brings this woman into his presence. He sleeps with her. He gets her pregnant. And then to conceal it all, he has her husband killed. And then he goes for a full year before he repents. So he goes through the majority of his life with a very close relationship with God. And he's, and he's very, very quick usually to say he's sorry. He's very quick to repent. But this sin, this was, a, this was a humdinger, right? This was a biggie. This was a sin that just keeps growing and growing and growing. And then before you know it, it's out of control. And, and you can tell because of where David was and where David is that he just has so much shame in his life that he doesn't want to approach God. He's afraid to be in God's presence. Have you ever felt that way? Now, hopefully none of us have, you know, uh, committed murder or <laughs> some of the things that David did, but we've all had our humdingers too. We've all had our sins in our life that has caused us maybe to go, you know what, I just I don't even wanna talk to God right now. I've blown it so bad. I, I've messed up so bad that I just don't know if I can be in his presence. And so a friend comes along and, and he approaches him and he says, David, you know, and he does it kind of through some stories and he makes David realize what he's done. And then David finally repents. He finally says he is sorry. Now, how many times have we been there? Like we're just going along and maybe we have this massive blind spot in our life of sin and somebody comes into our life and says, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep making those choices? Do, do you realize what this is doing to you? Does, do you realize what this is doing to your family? And it takes somebody else to come along and wake us up. Well, the great thing about David is not only do you get to read about him in First and Second Samuel, but you also get to read his responses to his life throughout the Psalms. He was a writer. And as many musicians do, they write about their pain and they're transparent in that pain. They're vulnerable as they write the lyrics to their music. And so after all this stuff that happens, he writes this beautiful uh, Psalm, Psalms 51. And this is what he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. And you do not desire sacrifice, or I would, I would offer one. You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken, repentant heart. O God, look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bowls will again be sacrificed on your altar. So he just expresses so beautifully what is going on on the inside of him. And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna do a series called Transparent. And we're gonna see the effects and the benefits of when we are vulnerable and we are transparent, not only with God, but with others. And I've asked some of our staff to be up here with me today so that they can, you know, they can talk. I, I can't really relate to sin so much, but I know these guys can. And so 
I've asked them to come up and, and be transparent. So uh, <laughs> they're going to do that this morning. So Pastor Joe, he is over our worship uh, ministry in 4640, does such a wonderful job there and also sings from our platform, leads worship there. Yes, got a little, hey, got some groupies. <laughs> Joe's got some groupies. And then uh, Sarah, who's our uh, children's pastor over our little ones in the back. And then Pastor Will, who is our life development pastor. Yes. And they're going to help me out this morning. Absolutely. So the most well-known verse from this psalm is probably verse 10. Uh, it's the one I have memorized. It's probably the one most of us pastors have memorized. It's the one that I quote the most to Jesus also when I'm <laughs> asking for forgiveness for my sins a lot. And it's Psalms verse 10, or 51 verse 10. And it says, create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. Now, I grew up in church. I have been in church ever since I can remember. And it took me a long time to realize that they were not, when they said the word heart, that they were not talking about this thing that was pumping in my chest. But it's such a Christianese kind of statement that we say, right? Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, create in me a clean heart. And we know it doesn't have to do with this, this organ in our chest, but I don't think we always really know what does it mean when we're asking God to do that. And so the, the Hebrew word for heart is lave, and it, and it speaks of three things. It speaks of our mind, it speaks of our will, and then it also speaks of our understanding. So now when we take a look back at this verse, it says, create a new clean heart within me. Now we realize, okay, this, this, this question, this, this ask of God is a little bit bigger. Now we're going, God, create in me a clean mind. So this is asking God, cleanse, cleanse my thought life. Cleanse what I'm thinking about. That means cleanse, cleanse my memory. Cleanse, cleanse what I'm reflecting on, dwelling on. You know, I think when we make mistakes, the, the enemy wants to just bring those things back up. And, and certain memories can be these triggers or, or these temptations to want to jump back into sin. And, and we, we catch ourselves dwelling on things we know, fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, lustful thoughts. And so this verse is not just saying, it's not just a pretty thing. It's going, create in me a clean mind. Then it says also, it, it, it's meaning will, create in me a clean will. So this is, this is speaking of desires. Create in me clean desires, appetites. The, the scripture said, fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. I think our will also is our conscience, meaning how are we affected by this sin? Are we realizing that we're doing, what we're doing is wrong? And, and too often when we, we catch ourselves in sin and habitual sin, we'll notice that our conscience, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we're not feeling it as much because we're, we're becoming callous to it, cold to it. And this is asking God, create in me a new will. Clean up my conscience so that I can understand when I'm pulling away from you in this moment of sin. And it's also saying, create in me a clean understanding. That's, that's asking God to help us stop making stupid decisions. That's what that is asking him. He's going, God, I've made some dumb choices and my understanding of what, how I'm supposed to live, what I'm supposed to do is twisted, it's messed up and it's cloudy. God, give me clear vision to see what I'm doing. Give me insight into my life to be able to make better decisions. So what does repentance look like when it stops being this pretty metaphorical term like heart and it turns into God creating me a clean mind, clean will, and understanding. It, it's a cleaning, but it's more like a supernatural super scrub down. I think if any of you, that's what repentance feels like in, in truth right there. If you've, any of you have ever gone through a deliverance with Pastor Will and his amazing deliverance teams, uh, you, you notice like a lot of that process is simply going through life, figuring out what you have not repented for and asking Jesus for, the, for forgiveness for those things. And you walk out of a deliverance feeling good, but <laughs> raw, like just like you got raked over something, like just like, I'm gonna get that out of there, right? And he's going after it. And you walk out of that feeling clean, but man, it is, it is a process. And, and here's the thing we have to understand. There's a difference between saying sorry and repenting. Yeah. Repenting means, in, in the scripture, the, the second Chronicles, to turn away from sin. It means go the other direction, an action step is needed. Apologizing, saying sorry, those are, those are just words without action. And if I were to be honest with you guys, there's been moments in my life when I've struggled with a sin, and for a season, I just said sorry. You know, I'd mess up and, and I'd be laying there or you know, frustrated with it, but I would just go, God, I'm, I'm sorry with no intent to change, with no plan to, to do something different, 
There was no effort to turn away or go away from that sin. But you stay in sin long enough, it'll break you. And so in that moment where I come broken before God, and I lay my sin down at his feet, and I bring my heart, which is now my, my will, my mind, my understanding, and it's no longer sorry, but it becomes more of a help. Repentance is help. I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't undo this. I can't get this out of my life. I need you. And in that moment, he comes and he moves and he goes to work and he begins creating. He begins cleaning, he begins healing, he begins filling us with his love, his mercy, his holiness. And in that process, I decide I'm gonna make a change. I'm, I need to make the turn away from that sin. So I change my life, I change what I'm watching so it, I don't get triggered by something I'm watching. Or I change what my social media and how much I'm intaking that or the people I'm hanging out with. And then I get back to communion with Jesus. I make sure I'm here every Sunday. I begin worshiping and doing my quiet times to make sure I'm close with him. And then I also ask trustworthy friends. I say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I want you to keep me accountable. And I do steps to turn away and to stay turned away from the sin. Repentance, man, it is beautiful and ugly. And it is freeing and challenging all at the same time. But this process, it is necessary to live a rich, satisfying, abundant life that Jesus wants for us. Yeah, it's so true. And I just wonder if there's any of you in here who have um, maybe like knowingly, flat out, blatantly disobeyed before, whether it be a parent, a coach, a boss, maybe even God, um, and not something that I'm super thrilled to announce to all of you, but yes, me too. Um, I, I have disobeyed once or twice. Um, so I, I wanted to share a little story being transparent with you guys today. Um, my senior year of college, I was um, in student government, and um, there's this guy, and um, all you single fellas in here, let me just tell you, if you can work on being funny, you're going to find yourself a real nice lady, okay? We like funny. We like, we like when guys are funny. Um, so this guy, he was funny, period, okay? That, 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 he got me with his funny. That was, that was about it. Okay, and I thought to myself, I like to laugh. I think I'd enjoy laughing more in my life. Um, so we became friends, and um, I very specifically remember this moment. We were leaving this um, student government retreat, and there was a seat next to me on the bus on the ride back to school, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna ask him to come sit by me. And in that very same moment, a very kind and sweet and all-knowing voice of the Holy Spirit said, don't. Whispered so clearly in my ear, don't ask him to sit by you. But I pretended like I was busy and I didn't hear him and I asked him to come sit by me on the, on the bus ride back, okay? Um, and, and these are such, they were such simple instructions from the Holy Spirit, like so easy to just obey those really kind instructions and I didn't. And so fast forward a year and a half and I find myself um, probably in the darkest season of my life, um, worse than 2020 for me, honestly. Um, and it was a place where I made all the wrong choices that I promised myself I would never make. All, all the bad decisions, all the things I was like, I will never do this. I, I, did, I did them. And, and during our relationship, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder with unclear thinking. And um, because of our relationship, I found myself questioning reality and doubting my own mental stability. And I found myself very isolated and confused and very far from the Lord. When finally a mentor, an accountability person, had a really honest conversation with me in my life and, and I worked up the courage to break it off with him. And it was ugly and there was abuse and there was trauma as I walked away from this relationship. Um, and in the midst of this relationship, there's also two very significant things that were happening at the same time in my life. My parents were going through a divorce of over 24 years of marriage. Um, and I was also pursuing going overseas to be a missionary. So my life felt very confusing and it felt very messy. And I remember before leaving, going overseas, thinking to myself, I was having this conversation with the Lord. I was just like wrestling with him, thinking, Lord, how could you ever use me? Like I blatantly disobeyed you for a year and a half being in this relationship that you specifically said, don't do it. And I did it anyways. Like I, I like flat out, like for a year and a half, just like ignored the Holy Spirit in my life. And Lord, I have sinned against you and I am broken and I am messy and 
and I don't even deserve to be in your presence? Like, how could you even consider me to be someone that you could use when I just flat out disobeyed you for such a long season? Like, look at me, I am a disaster. And I felt so far from the Lord that I thought maybe, maybe he had turned his back on me. And I look at this verse in Psalm 51:11 that says, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I think this would literally be like worst case scenario for any of us who call Jesus Lord. Like this would be the worst thing that could happen to us. But here's the truth and here's the hope that we get to rejoice in today that David said this because he saw the Lord take his spirit from King Saul earlier in his life because of Saul's sin against God. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came to select kings and prophets. But we, we look at the New Testament, we fast forward to where Jesus shows up on the scene to this beautiful story that God is writing. And that simply is not our reality. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, he does not take his Holy Spirit from us. And this is a promise found in John 14, 16. And it says, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. And sometimes we might feel far because we've walked away, but not because God has taken his spirit from us. And sometimes we might put ourselves in mess, in sin, in broken places, but Jesus does not leave us in it. And just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. And in our sin, in our brokenness, Jesus' work on the cross, it covers us. Friend, God does not take his spirit from you. So going back to that moment of darkness for me where I felt so trapped in my own sin, so entangled in my own brokenness, the Lord opened the door for me to spend seven months overseas in Slovenia, a little tiny country in Europe, um, where I got to share the gospel of Jesus with a few broken and hurting teenagers. And I'll be honest, when I look back at those seven months and, and what I see and what I remember is not what I did, but what my God did. And it was in those seven months um, where I found a God who loves me so much that he forgave my sin and he used me despite me, right? He used me despite my own sin and he, and he put a couple mentors in my life that walked me through so much healing. They walked me through the brokenness of my parents' divorce and, and through that very toxic relationship. And it was there that he healed my view of marriage and what it could be for me. And, it, and he... And he helped my understanding of what a good and kind and loving father he really, really is. And I learned that he's the one that redeems all the wrongs that I have done. And not for a minute did he forsake me. And it was while I was in Slovenia that I also felt my call to ministry. And now, because of the Lord's faithfulness and forgiveness and his mercy, I'm doing ministry here at Fellowship Church, which is awesome. And I'm married to the man of my dreams, um, who happens to be Uncle Timmy's nephew, which is yes. cool most of the time. I'm, so, I'm, really, I'm really glad you didn't marry the funny guy. That would, that <laughs> me, too, me too, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> um, but y'all, I'm here to tell you, he's so much better than we can think or know, or even imagine. And so maybe today, if you feel like God is far from you and he's walked away from you because of something you have done, my friend, you are not that powerful. God has not forsaken you and he will not forsake you. And just like Pastor Joe said, when we come and we repent and we say, here's our sin, he does cleanse us of it. And there's a promise from our father in Matthew 28, 20b that says, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And that's a promise from our Father who loves us, who wants us, who is with us, and that truth will never change. Knowing that God can cleanse our hearts, that we can ask to, to renew our hearts, and knowing that that's our, our mind, our will, and understanding, and knowing the fact that he will never leave you. These are, these are pillars, these promises that we can stand on as, as we're in this place of repentance or when we're feeling distance from God at some level. David in Psalm 50 write, 51 writes, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And David continues this plea and he's gotten to this place where it's been a long time since he has felt the presence of God again. So much so that he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And just, it's like he's reminiscing about a, a time that once was. And we reminisce all the time, right? Like, do you remember what restaurants were like at 100% capacity? <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> Remember what it was like not to have to carry a mask around all the time? It was nice. That's just been the last few years. I remember a time where video games were like a, a cartridge that you had to blow out and put back <laughs> in the thing. 
again, right? I mean, Tim, remember when you had hair? That's good stuff. Anyway. That's not the joke we discussed. It's not. <laughs> stay on, stay on, I'm read sorry. that. <laughs> but we reminisce about, like, the good times, right? But there's, there's places in our hearts, too, that we reminisce about a time where we felt close to God. And we want to get back to that place again. I mean, think of your own salvation, even. I mean, when, when I was saved, I was saved at Rainbow Trail Lutheran Camp when I was 13. And it's this overnight camp outside of Salida. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience because that was like the first time that I felt the presence of God. And kind of like Sarah and Joe were talking about being close to him. And I remember waking up, I remember praying uh, and asking God through relationship to be in my heart and, and to take control of my life and trusting him with that at this amazing like campfire service. And the next morning in, in the top bunk while all the other guys were sleeping, I remember waking up and feeling this presence of God that before then I, couldn't, I could never even think, but before that time, every minute before I woke up there, I was alone. But it's like that moment I woke up, I, I, I believed that alone was a lie, that his presence was around me. And there's been so many times in my life through sin struggles, through sorrow, through times where I just want to get back to that place at the top bunk of Rainbow Trail Lutheran Camp again, God. <laughs> get me back to that place. Yeah. But you can hear David's heart here in, in wanting to, the joy of salvation to be returned to him after being separated from God for so long. And I wonder if there's anybody in here that can identify or anyone at home that can identify with, with that type of heart cry. Is there sin in our lives that's separating us from God at some level? And that could be major sin or minor sin. I mean, it could be the small things that all sin separates us from him. Is there struggle that we're going through right now that we need strength to weather? Is there an answer that we're desperately waiting for? Because that can create distance if you don't hear from him from a long time. It's like, God, get me back to that place, that closeness again. See, when we're in seasons like that, feeling separation or distance from God, it hurts us, right? It puts sorrow, sorrow in our hearts. But we see in David's story and in scripture that sorrow plus transparency equals closeness with God. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now the Greek word for salvation used here in 2 Corinthians is soteria, which doesn't just mean like die and go to heaven, but it means healing, restoration, soundness of mind, deliverance. Those are all byproducts of being close with God. Like restore to me the joy of my salvation, the closeness. That's, that's restoration, soundness of mind, healing, deliverance. So we see these two different kinds of sorrow here. We have a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. So how can we tell the difference? Well, there's two kings where you can see it happen. One, King David, and then the other, Sarah had mentioned King Saul. See, both King Saul and King David went through similar experiences. Now, Saul didn't like commit adultery and then murder the guy, but he did disobey God. Yeah. And after he disobeyed God, he was still confronted by a prophet. But Saul's response to that and David's response were completely different. See, when Saul was confronted um, by the prophet Samuel and he's backed into the corner, he tries to make excuses and blame it on the people and all that. When he's finally backed into the corner, he does say he's sorry. He says, yes, I've sinned. But the next words out of his mouth were, and he's talking to the prophet, now honor me in front of my people. See, it was a self-centered sorrow that led him to repentance. But David's response when Nathan confronts him he falls on his face for like seven days, doesn't eat, write, reads, or, uh, writes Psalm 51. It's this heart cry out to God. See, David's sorrow was God-centered yeah. instead of self-centered or worldly sorrow. And what that looks like is like when we were motivated to change because of we're afraid of we might lose our job or our position or we're just afraid of what the consequences might be. We might lose our marriage. We might, we might lose um, this or that. We might burn in hell forever. Like whatever like that fear is saying to your heart, that's a self-centered sorrow. But you can see David's heart. Like Joe said, he's like, change my desire. And if you change your prayer from just praying for more strength to get through that sin, and you change your pray from, prayer from praying for strength, but say, God, I wanna desire you above all else. Yeah. Don't just give me more strength, I just want you. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, that closeness returns that place. And you can see David here knowing that obedience is that key to stay close to him. He's changing, asking God to change his desires. But right here we see that he wants that joy of salvation, that closeness back. Our heart posture when we're in a place of distance with God has to be focused on him. Yeah. 
and not ourselves. And when that starts to happen, you'll see the enemy lose his grip. Staying open to God will keep you close to the enemy. Staying open and transparent to God will keep you close to the enemies. God wants to give us the joy found in our salvation. And when we're transparent and centered in him, we will find that closeness again. And so we get to see the story of David and Samuel. We get to see his repentance in Psalms 51. But then we get to see his writing after his repentance. So like a typical musician, you know, he's singing about his pain and his struggle, but then he's going to sing about his joy, yeah. right? He, he writes a, a, another song, and this is Psalm 32. And in this Psalm, he says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Like he gets it. He, that year was awful. Now he's forgiven. He feels different. Whose sin is put out of sight, because that's what Jesus does with your sin. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body was wasted away and I groaned all day long. I mean, unconfessed sin changes who you are. And don't you know, everybody around David was looking at him going, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? You're not even being yourself. And he recognizes that. Verse four, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And this is true too. When we have sin, it, it, it zaps our strength. It, it zaps our, uh, our, our ability to want to do life and take on life every day. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment for you are my hiding place. You protect me from the trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like senseless, a senseless horse or mule. Yeah, I've never heard those lyrics in a song before, but it's pretty, you know, <laughs> pretty to the point. Don't, ask, don't act like a mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So for David, for him to really wake up and realize what he had done, he needed a Nathan. He needed somebody to come and show him what he had done or point out what he had done. And the truth is, is he knew what he had done. He knew what he, would done, what, what he had done was wrong. But as time goes by, the devil loves to just put this veil of deception over our eyes. He loves to develop blind spots in us to where we just stop confessing that sin or we just try to put it under the rug or we just try not to act like it ever happened. But the truth is, is it's there. And the Holy Spirit came not only to be our comforter and counselor, but he came to offer this gift of conviction within us to where when we do sin, we ask for forgiveness. It's that simple. I know that a lot of times we talk about the Nathans in our life. We talk about the Jonathans in our life. Like David had these really two, he had a prophet named Nathan that was incredible. He had a friend named Jonathan that was incredible. And for many of us, we might say, I don't really have a Nathan. I don't really have somebody that would be that honest with me. And if that's the case, man, Put yourself out there. Allow yourself to be transparent with some others. And when you're transparent with others, they will be transparent with you. And before you know it, you'll have a friend like a Nathan that will go, hey man, just notice that this is going on in your life. You're struggling and, and, and this isn't where you wanna be. This, this just changes. I'll help you change this. But in the meantime, this morning, if you don't have that, allow the Holy Spirit to be your Nathan. Allow the Holy Spirit to maybe show you some blind spots that you might have in your life. And let's do that together as a church. If you'll stand with me, and if you're at home, just pretend like you're here with us and stand up, be a part of this process of of just some prayer time, some reflection, uh, and also some repentance. So the first thing I'd like for you to do is just spend a little time asking the Holy Spirit to reveal anything to you that you need to confess. 
Let's just do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to expose the blind spots in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to remove any veil of deception that the devil may have given you. And now ask him just to reveal any unconfessed sin that you have in your life. Or maybe it's a confessed sin, but it's not a repentant sin. You've said you're sorry, but you haven't really turned from it. And as you're doing that, allow this song to be a part of this repentant process, this forgiving process. As Joe leads, just allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart, to search your mind, to reveal anything that you need to come clean with. I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment And I never want to leave Oh not here for blessings Jesus you don't owe me anything and more than anything that you can do yeah I just want you and I'm sorry when i've just gone through the motions i'm sorry when i just sing another song take me back to where we started and i open up my heart to you and i'm sorry when I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. When I forgot that you're enough, so take me back to where we started. And I open up my heart to you. Our relationship with them is not right until they, they say they're sorry. It's just always something between us. So Lord, we don't want there to be anything between us. And we know that you don't want anything between us. 
because your desire is just to be just to be close to us. Thank you, God, for that. That the God, the creator of the universe wants to be close to us. And now I ask that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to identify when we sin. Holy Spirit, convict us of it. And that we would be so quick to say we're sorry. We wouldn't let a moment go by where we're standing in a state of sin that couldn't be confessed. We know you're gonna do it. You know you're gonna forgive us, Lord. Help us not to be afraid to come before you. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that, Lord, you would bind the spirit of guilt and shame from this room. Bind the spirit of guilt and shame from each and every one of us. Do not allow that, Lord, to get in the way. Conviction, we welcome. That's from the Holy Spirit. Guilt and shame, that is from the enemy, and it is there to kill, steal, and destroy destroy us. So now loosen us your grace. Loosen us your acceptance. Help us to feel your presence. Renew in us a new heart. Give us back the joy of our salvation. And we will praise you for every single bit of it. We love you, Lord. So we're gonna continue to worship this song. If you need to leave and go get your kids, that's awesome. But for a few more minutes, if you wanna just soak up the Holy Spirit and sing this song a few more times, because you gotta, like me, have a few more things you need to confess, (laughs) take advantage of that. If you're at home, do the same. Might be on a trip somewhere. You're never too far away from Jesus. He's always right there with you. So let's do that as we close up today. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, and your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to connect you with resources and support you to take your next step in your new walk with Christ. Text HEAVEN to 94000 to get started. Thank you for joining us today, and make sure you join us next Sunday, either online or in person, for 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. services.